Hello, everybody. This is the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. I am Greg Fisher, and I'm here with Brian Warren, our director of the Office for Globalization. So welcome, Brian. Thank you. Well, one of the first things I thought was important uh, when our administration came into office about eight and a half years ago was to really send a strong message to the world that Louisville was open for business and a welcoming place for foreign-born population to grow, and then to take Louisville to the world as well. So uh, you are our second uh, director for the office. Suhas Kulkarni was our founding director, and you've done an incredible job, by the way. I appreciate what you do. Thank so, you. So tell us a little bit about the office. Well, it is. Uh, it really kind of has three functions in my mind. The first is to act as that connector between city government and our newcomer residents in Louisville. And a lot of that is about ensuring that they have efficient access to the services and the resources we provide in the city. And then also to ensure that we're implementing the right strategies to welcome them here. So working with the staff, you know, to to, to build language access, cultural training, and then to remind them that these, these communities are here and to make sure that they're invited into discussions on how we grow our city as well. And then lastly, it's about connecting our staff to leaders and communities. So making sure those more direct networks are, are formed so that you know efficiency to uh, access to those services is not delayed because they're having to work through an intermediary such myself. And then the second thing we do is we maintain data on the foreign-born community and other population demographics to help us understand how our city's growing, um, what groups are coming into the community, and then with that information, we can begin to help craft, along with our colleagues, best strategies in which to help those communities you know, as they seek services and grow in the Louisville area. And then lastly, our, and one of the big initiatives that we're working on in collaboration with GLI is the Global Louisville Initiative. And this is our citywide partnership with a lot of different sectors, including education, faith communities, the business community, uh, government, to look at overall citywide strategies that help welcome immigrants here. Because you know, under that platform of compassion, we want everybody to shine like the sun. And the way we do it with immigrants is figuring out ways to welcome them, not only by extending that hand and that greeting, but how do we do with policy and strategy and make that most effective here in the city? And, and how do you look at uh, immigrants, right? We've got refugees. We've got second migration. So kind of describe if somebody asks you is, you know, tell me about immigration in Louisville. How would you describe it? Well, immigration, uh, first thing, I always try to help define the terms that immigrants are anybody that are coming from another country, been born somewhere else, coming to our city. Uh, refugees are people that have been defined as refugees by the uh, UN Human Rights Commission. So they're coming in under very dire circumstances, but all of them are immigrants. And when we look at the, the population you know, trends of our foreign-born community, you find that they come under, they come through three different ways. Either they're coming in as refugees, so they're coming through that uh, very well-established system of refugee entry into the United States, or they're coming as secondary migrants uh, from other cities into the Louisville area, and that would be the, the, actually that is turning out to be the larger number over the last couple of years. And then lastly, they're coming under uh, visa opportunities like professional visas that are H-1Bs or under student visas to study at our local universities and colleges. 
So talk a little bit about how our immigrant population has grown, what our major countries of origin are, and how that's shaping our city. Well, um, since 1990, you know, it's been very interesting to take a look at how population growth of foreign-born communities has, you know, just you know, just blossomed. And in fact, actually, it's, it's kind of explosive growth. So since 1990 to 2010, every decade, we've seen a doubling of our foreign-born population. In 1990, that number was about 1.2%. Uh, 2000, we jumped around 2.5. In 2010, it was around 56 And by 2020, you know, depending on how the census numbers play out, uh, we're probably looking at somewhere 10 to 11%. And that is that's really kind of important, you know, trend growth for our city because as we as we think about, you know, what we need in the city population is one of those things. And that's that's one of the the key demographics that's powering our positive population growth over the last 30 years. In fact, most of our population growth is coming from our foreign-born residents uh, of the top 50 US cities. I think the average foreign-born population is around 18% or so. Mm-hmm. So that's we still have a ways to go. The benefits that immigrants bring to our city in terms of entre- higher rates of entrepreneurship, uh, higher w- rates oftentimes of education participation, lower crime rate, uh, really point out to the benefits of being a globalized city. On top of what I think is our kids should be raised in a city that looks like the world because we know most of our young folks are going to live in an even more globalized society. So it's incumbent on a city to give them a head start in these areas. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I, I kind of break it down into another set of three things that I think immigrants bring to our community. The first is, you know, that population growth curve that we've seen since 1990, but also the cultural diversity. Uh, it, it helps us prepare for the world. When you have people here present in our community who bring those direct experiences you know, of growing up in another country to this city, it gives our young people an opportunity to engage with them directly and to learn those kind of cultural skills that are going to be necessary you know, in a globally competitive market. But it also makes a more interesting place, too. I mean, I want, personally, I want to live in a city uh, that has immigrants in it. You know, I like eating you know, international foods. I love, you know, seeing international arts. So as someone who's an older guy, you know, having those opportunities as well, you know, extend the quality of life. And those are the kind of things that also attract U.S. born uh, citizens to migrate into other cities. So when we're looking at cultural diversity uh, and we're looking at competing for, you know, those millennials and those, those younger, that younger talent pool, we need to have a city you know, that reflects the things they're interested in. And that's, that's a globally, you know, mind a city with the amenities that come along with that. Absolutely. I can tell you when I'm talking to our employers and companies are looking to locate here, uh, talking about our globalization efforts are a super important part of their decision-making process where you want a city that looks like the world. And they see the progress we're making mm-hmm. as a city, and they appreciate the fact that we're really leaning into this. So t- talk to us when you think about uh, some of the major countries of origin in our city, uh, because we're getting to the point now where we have some groups, the, the uh, Cuban origin, the Indians, et cetera, where there are large enough numbers of folks here that there's basically like a little part of the cities that they possibly came from. Well, I mean, we have, you know, one of the benefits of the, w- the nature of the way that 
immigrants have come into our community, particularly under refugee resettlement, is that we have an incredibly diverse international community. And if you can look at the timeline of refugee resettlement, it is often, you know, a timeline of conflict around the world, right? So outside of Mexicans and Indians, who are a large part of our population, you know, when we look at some of the other large groups like the Somalis and um, the Bhutanese, uh, the Vietnamese, the Bosnians, Congolese, yeah, you know, the Congolese. These are the these are the folks that you know are are directly connected to refugee resettlement. And so, if, when we look at these numbers, so this is I, I put down the top ten here. Uh, Mexicans are number one, Cubans are number two, and they have become number two very recently within the you know within the last five years or so. And that's because a lot of the Cubans that live here are telling their friends and family that they know, let's say from Florida or other places come to live in this city of Louisville because great quality of life, much more affordable here. Oh, absolutely. You know, when when you start getting uh, significant populations, they begin to attract friends and family to the area. And, you know, we know that we've got a great value proposition here uh, with business opportunity, with jobs, you know, low-cost living, a friendly city, one that has, you know, a fairly mild climate except for right now. (laughs) But uh, we have a lot of opportunity, and so people recognize that, and they're telling friends and neighbors to come. Uh, but, you know, I was, uh, was kind of looking through all of these numbers here, or, or the, the top ten, and, of course, I know you have a personal interest in a, in a couple of groups, the Greeks. Uh, you know, they're not quite the top ten, but, you know, there's about 106. <laughs> well, that's one way to, to grow your appreciation <laughs> is to marry someone. Now, my wife's parents uh, fled the Greek Civil War after World War II. She was actually mm-hmm. born here. In America, but uh, grew up in Greece throughout her early teenage years as well. So, anyway, that's been a great, uh, a great thing for my life, and certainly enhanced my appreciation for a foreign-born community. But when I tell you that number 106, I mean you're fully aware um, that you know the Greek community is much larger than 106. Yeah. You know, so when we're just talking about the foreign-born number in our city. That does not in any way kind of give you an indication of the longer-term impact of, you know, immigrants coming to the city. So if we look out to 2040, in which we have about 18 to 20 percent of our population or one in six to one in five people being foreign-born, we're only hitting the tip of the iceberg of that population impact because what we don't take into account are all their children who will now be U.S.-born citizens, yeah, right? And if they're point. having two to three people, then we begin looking at a much higher percentage of impact than just that 18%. Yeah. And that's why this is critical right now. Well, and this is really the story of America, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is how we started as a country. This is how we've continued to grow. Yes, it might be different countries of origin over the years, but this is the American story and why it's so exciting to see how through your office and through the culture of our city, we're really being a welcoming city for everybody who had been recognized as such. Absolutely. Well, uh, last year, you know, through a really rigorous process, Welcoming America, which is a national organization that um, works with cities uh, to become welcoming, has an index that they've developed, which 44 different criteria points. And we passed with a 92% and became the second city in the world to become welcoming certified. So very very proud of that. Very proud of that. And want to emphasize, too, I mean, look, there's some anti-immigrant voices in the country, some from very high places of leadership that couldn't disagree with more. Yes, we need legal immigration. We need border security. There's no question about that. But we also have to recognize that we need immigrants to grow 
and they make our city and our country a much more interesting place. And we should try to have immigration reform at the federal level as a top priority so we can get out of this confused state that we're in. It's not good for the country demographically, economically, or certainly politically as well. So I hope we can make progress on that. And our listeners will encourage uh, their federal representatives to uh, get their act together on that. It, it's impacted our community. When you talk about resettlement, we've got two tremendous resettlement agencies here from Kentucky Refugee Ministries and Catholic Charities, but they've seen their businesses, uh, their operations as NGOs really affected here in the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, and them most directly because they've seen a reduction in numbers, which also means a reduction in federal dollars. And if you if you play that out a little bit more extensively into the community, that means, you know, they uh, have to, um, you know, uh, uh, release people from employment. Um, that means fewer dollars that they can be spending, you know, in our city. Uh, it also means that we have fewer people that we are bringing in to help grow our population. And if you speak with Kentucky Refugee Ministries and Catholic Charities, uh, it's impacting employers. You know, the refugee resettlement program on the federal level is, you know, really always had a component of workforce and employment uh, attached to it. You know, for those who don't know, uh, when a refugee enters into our city, they have 90 days, you know, to get gainful employment uh, before they begin losing some of their, their federal assistance. And so, you know, a lot of the, you know, uh, entry-level jobs that are available in our community have been filled you know, by these refugees that are coming into the community. But now businesses, you know, and we know what the unemployment situation uh, is here in the city. We're 3%. We have 40,000-something jobs over the last quarter that were um, uh, open in the community, 17,000 or so that, were, that required degrees. And, you know, employers are desperately seeking uh, uh, workforce, and they can't find it anymore at those, you know, wells that used to be available with our refugee resettlement agencies, and it's very frustrating to them. Yeah, and then so are you seeing any local impact from kind of the national uh, dialogue or rhetoric around uh, immigration, and how is that affecting us here locally? Well, I mean, there's the good and the bad. You know, first off, uh, you know, I think it has really dampened uh, participation by certain segments of our community, particularly those... um, those residents who are undocumented, those that are uh, DREAMers or DACA students, um, they're taking a lower profile, not seeking services in the way that they should, and that's a problem for our community. But even those that are here you know, under some kind of legal status you know, feel that impact because they're unsure and uncertain about what they are able to do and what will happen if they get stopped by you know, ICE enforcement here in the city and numerous stories across the country about individuals who are American citizens who are who have legal status who end up getting stopped by ICE and put through horrible situations or detained and even some cases removed from the country when they're American citizens you know and that's that that kind of uh, that kind of you know fear uh, is not healthy for any community and certainly is is finding its way here into the city. But the positive impact of that is, you know, because we're a city of compassion, because we're a city that welcomes people, I see our school system, our city government, I see our businesses, and I see our faith institutions stepping up, you know, to say, 
that we are a welcoming city and find ways you know to ensure that people get access to services and resources that they are able to you know thrive and you know find the things they need to to build a life here in Louisville. Well, and you can do all that while you're in compliance with federal state and local laws exactly so i just hate to see the politicization of uh, immigration and foreign-born populations to me it's totally opposite of how we've built our country and our citizens and i hope it's a phase in our history that we can get through as quickly as possible we've got a couple of celebrations coming up uh, more about those where people can interact and be part of our global city well absolutely outside of all the you know the you know kind of nuts and bolts work we do in the city you know we we also are a city that loves to you know celebrate and have a party and a good time and of course we have coming up on August 30th through September 2nd World Fest, which is you know our large, uh, our, our biggest celebration of our international community and our and our global community here in the city. Then you'll have four days of food and music and dance and arts and crafts. Uh, it's a great day. It, it's a great event, and we usually get you know anywhere between you know 70 to 120 thousand people, and it's actually one of the largest uh, international celebrations uh, in the country. And great free music festival as well with music Absolutely. from all over the world. Absolutely. So check that out. Yeah. And then Big Table is always a lot of fun. Well, the Big Table is a, a project that started a couple years ago. And Global Human Project and a lot of the, the faith community and other organizations have stepped up the plate to uh, create basically w- what we call the, the world's largest potluck. Uh, we set up tables. People bring food. You sit down with your friends, neighbors, and people in the city uh, to just have a conversation, and it's really that simple. There's no music, um, there's no you know speeches or talks. Uh, the entertainment is you stuffing your face with food and having a conversation with uh, someone you don't know or haven't met before in the Louisville area. Well, and what I invariably see for that is people think they don't have anything in common with somebody from halfway around the world or who doesn't speak the same language, and they leave the big table or any other interaction throughout the city and saying. These folks are just trying to support their family and carry the family love forward and take care of each other, just like you're trying to do with my family. We've got a lot in common. Oh, absolutely, and that, that is the point. And I have not seen a single person leave that event without a big smile on their face and a, and a lot of warmth in their heart. All right, well, in closing out here, anything you have to say to either our you know native-born population or foreign-born uh, population? Well, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in the city. Uh, you know, keep your eyes and ears open for what's going on. But, you know, very simply, you know, recognize that you have friends, family, neighbors, uh, colleagues here in the city who come from other places. And just a simple act of kindness of welcoming them and finding ways to make them feel comfortable here goes a long way in not only making you feel better but and them better, but improving the economy and the, the community here in Louisville, Kentucky. And if people need you know, any assistance in learning about what's going on in the international community, they can always contact our office. We tend to have a, a finger on the pulse of what's going on with globalization here in the city. And what's the best way to get in contact with you and your office? The best way to get in contact with our office is go to the Louisville Metro website and, you know, uh, to the globalization webpage. But you can contact us through uh, globalization at louisvilleky.gov. Uh, and or contact uh, our office at 574-2867. Okay, well, thank you, listeners. Thank you, Brian Warren, for the great job that you and your team are doing at our Office for Globalization. And we look forward to seeing you and the rest of our community at World Fest, August 30th to September 2nd.